Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. If you've been here uh, for the last few, few months, we've been going through a sermon series called Axiom, where we've been taking a look at the teachings of Christ. And so Jesus is both the savior of the world and the greatest leader this world has ever known. And so he teaches us not only about the concept of eternal life, of salvation and grace and forgiveness of sins through his death, burial, and resurrection, but he also teaches us that we can have life and life to the full. And so my goal has been, let me give you truth. This hasn't been my opinion. I'm not walking away Say some of you, you know, some of you apply this. I'm telling you, if you listen to the words of Christ, we've been uh, focusing on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, and you apply them, your life will, will be different, right? He'll give you life and life to, to the full. And so today I want to end with the last week of the series in Matthew chapter 7. And so if you come here and you hear my, my sermons or somebody preach here, you know they typically last between 30 minutes and three hours, right? Somewhere between there. I'm just, some of you never been here before. Are you okay? Is he serious? I'm not. And so uh, 30 minutes, maybe 50 minutes if I'm feeling long-winded that day. Somewhere between, the, you know, 30 and, and 50, somewhere right there, piano music comes and plays, and you know that they're, they're playing the altar music, and it's going to be over. You guys tracking with me? Okay, so when the music starts playing, you know, we're bringing it in for a landing. So if you're worried about how long this is going to be, wait for the music, relax, it's going to land, okay? And so this is the part of the message that Jesus preached. Jesus preached. We don't know how long. He's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants, right? Matthew 5, Matthew 6, he has given so much wisdom. He has given so much insight. He has given so much, man, if you do this, this will work out. Like, you know, he's talking about turning the other cheek. He's talking about forgiving. He's talking about worry. He's talking about all these things. This is like the altar call. And so Jesus gives them truth, and then he says, okay, let's go. That's what we do in church, by the way. We give you the truth of Jesus, and then at the end we say, okay, who wants to follow him? You're not doing a good job on your own right? You're filled with anxiety. You're, you're riddled with doubt. You have all sorts of pain. You have all sorts of baggage. You're not figuring stuff out. You keep thinking it's going to get better. It's not. And so here, let me, let me tell you about Jesus and let me give you a chance to respond to him because he can change your life. He's not done with you yet, right? And so that's how we do it. And so this is Jesus. He's at the end. He's telling the people that are listening, okay, let's go. And here's how he ends his, his Sermon on the Mount. There's more in the chapter. This is kind of in the middle of the chapter, but here's where we're going to end. Here's what he says in Matthew 7, verse number 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And so he's told them, I'm the way. John 14, by the way, tells you, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. So he's either a lunatic or he's telling the truth. Because if somebody does that today, they say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You don't get back to God through me. They, get, they end up on CNN or Fox News, right? Nobody's following them. They're like, you're crazy. So Jesus is either crazy or he's telling the truth. Not an in-between. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, it tells us there's no other name by which man might be saved but the name of Jesus. He's the name above all names. So he's very confident in who he is. He's not wavering. He's not taking, taking you know, suggestions. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. Let's go. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. 
and many will find it. Follow me, it's a narrow gate. Let me remind you, it's road, the, the road is wide and it's broad that leads to destruction. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I wonder if he already knows. I've just taught these people gold. Like I've just given them the life. I've given them purpose. I've given them the opportunity for peace. But very few of them are actually going to follow me. Very few of them are actually going to come with me. Because it's real simple. It's, it's me. You're going to follow me. It's not me and you together. We're not giving me suggestions. I don't have a box somewhere where you can give me reviews. You're going to follow me, right? And we're going to go forward. And if you follow me, you can trust me. But some of you are going to turn back and you're going to go on the wide and broad road that leads to, to destruction. So, let me, I started thinking about the movie Sandlot when I was preparing this message. I love Sandlot. Anybody else? Sandlot fans? There's certain movies you can watch. Every time, like every day, all the time, they never get old, right? Sandlot, remember the Titans is another one. Like, I'll run through a wall, right? And remember the Titans. And so, like, remember the Titans is one. Sandlot, Saving Private Ryan. I don't know why, I just like that movie. And so, like, Hacksaw Ridge, you ever see that one? That, 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 I watched that, right? And so, I love Sandlot. I watch Sandlot all the time. And so, uh, Sandlot has a bunch of, of, of scenes in it that, 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 that are, you know, kind of iconic. My favorite scene in Sandlot is when um, the kids that play in the Sandlot, they're kind of dressed in just, you know, normal clothes. The team that has all the money, the privileged kids, show up. You know what I'm talking about? And they start talking trash back and forth uh, on this field that they play on the Sandlot. And you remember the, the catcher in the Sandlot? You guys know? Yeah, everybody needs a friend looks like that catcher. I'm just... <laughs> Like, I don't know what he turned out to look like, but he just looked funny, right? And so he had red hair, he's a little, little chubby, right? And so, like, he, he gets, and they start arguing back and forth. Remember that scene? And he says something, and they say something. They're, like, going back and forth. You're, like, you're a, a scab sniffer and a, and a butt smeller, and right, and a pus licker. I don't know what that means. And, like, all stuff. And the, and the kid on Sandlot, what, how, how, like, so how does he end it, right? There's things you say that you can't come back from. Like, I saw Aaron Rodgers, there was this popular thing going around on the internet this week. He played a guy on the Giants, and the Giants guy hit him and was talking trash, and Aaron Rodgers said, I don't even know you. And then he got to the sideline, and he was like, I hit him with the uncomeabackable, right, <laughs> statement. When you tell somebody, I don't even know you, like, what do you say to that, right? And so, and the guy, he didn't know what to say. He said, he said I don't even know you, and Aaron Rodgers said, really? You don't know me? <laughs> I love that, right? And so he looks at the, the, other, the other kid, and he says, you play ball like a some of you are like, you, that movie is not acceptable today, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you couldn't play that. And it's probably not true, by the way. I've coached all sorts of kids' sports. I'm just letting you know, when they're younger, especially I coach five-year-old boys and five-year-old girls in soccer, the girls are murderous at that age. <laughs> the boys are spinning around in circles, right? But it was a big thing. You play ball like a girl, right? And so that, that, was, that was like, uh, you could not come back from it. Let me just, in our culture, if you want to put somebody down, you'll say this to them. You'll say, you're so narrow-minded. You're such a, they, they, like, they really want to get you. They'll be like, you're a bigot. You hate speech. You're, you're narrow-minded. You're closed-minded, right? What did Jesus say, though? It's, it's weird how they take words out of Scripture and they try to, like, they'll say bigot, right? Instead of just saying, no, I'm narrow-minded because I'm convinced that it's truth. Right, could you imagine? Cancer is really bad. All of us have lost somebody from cancer, and they come up with a, with, with a cure for cancer, and you start to push it everywhere, and somebody else, as you're pushing it on them, you know it's going to heal them. They're like, you're just being narrow-minded. You'd be like, dude, you're an idiot. You're going to die, right? Take the stuff. Like, 
If you really, if me and you really believe, like there's a lot for us to believe, right? We believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe no one gets back to God except for, through Jesus. We believe he can forgive anyone's sins. We believe in the grace and the mercy of Christ. We believe if your heart's not, not, not done beaten, that God's not done with you. We, we believe in all that, right? But if we really believe in it, that's a pretty simple message that, like some people are like, Jesus is super inclusive. Yes, he's inclusive, but he's also exclusive. Did you see that? He's inclusive because he says, anybody can come to me anywhere, any situation, anything you're going through, but there's only one way to get to me. Here's the problem. We live in a world where we grow up with options, and Jesus has given us a choice. You can go on the narrow road, it's simple, it's me, it leads to life, or you can go on the broad road, it leads to confusion, it leads to anxiety, it leads to worry, it leads to doubt, it leads to nobody knowing where they're going, right? The blind leading the blind, the Bible says, and that leads to destruction. You don't get the, because we'll be like, well, look, can I get a different option? Right, you remember, any, any 1980s, 1990s kids here? 1980s, 1990s, we were different, we were different. And so we were different, we were, we were wired different, right? And so I remember going to McDonald's in the 80s and 90s, right? My mom would pull up to the drive-thru, and she would pull up to the drive-thru, and uh, see, you're, you're different, you guys live in this culture, you, you, you live with options. We didn't get options, we got choices. And the choice at McDonald's, three Happy Meals, chicken nuggets, cheeseburger, hamburger. Those are the three options, right? You didn't get double anything. You didn't get to pick your toy out, right? You pulled up to the thing. I cannot imagine pulling up and saying, hey, mom, when you order this cheeseburger, can you ask them to take off the pickles, the onions, the ketchup, the mustard, and the cheese? Can you do that for me? In our culture, moms pull up, dads pull up to the drive-thru. <laughs> Welcome to McDonald's. Hey, yes, I have a gluten-free son in my car. Right? You have any gluten-free options? No, you're at McDonald's, bro, right? Can I ask you about your meat? Is your meat healthy? Is it organic? Was it grown in Ireland, right? No, it's McDonald's meat. We don't know where it's from, right? Can you kick me a fresh cheeseburger, right? Can I get a fresh cheeseburger? You're gonna get the one that's been sitting here for four days. We know scientifically McDonald's food does not go bad. It makes it through the apocalypse. Right? Can you give me this nugget? Is your nuggets, what are they made of? They're made of whole chicken, white chicken, what kind of chicken? It's, we don't know what it is. They're chicken nuggets. They're awesome. Mick nuggets, right? <laughs> we didn't get options. Now everything's an option. I love listening to people order at Starbucks. Can I get 16 pumps of that and a half pump of this? And can you give me one more pump of this? That's a job I will ne That job is in hell somewhere, right? <laughs> Some of you are so annoying to people, right? Can you give me one more half pump? No, no, that's a little, okay, okay, that's good right there. Thank you. <laughs> right? You get that real organic stuff, right? And because we live in a world like that where everything's option, we do that with church. Pull up to the drive-thru. I don't want to want to follow the Lord like that. I don't, I don't. I know it's really serious. I don't want to not date the non-Christian I'm not supposed to date because I'm trying to follow you. I don't want to do my money like that. I, I don't really want to believe in hell. Can we just do something a little less offensive? Can we take that word a little less? Can we call it like something different? Let's not talk about gender and sexuality and all those things the world struggles with. Let's, let's, get, let's, let's get real awkward in here right now, right? And let's just, let's just let, can, we, can we just get a little lighter? Can we just get a little more options? Can I get some options? Can I get a side of this? And, and Jesus goes, listen, you can get all that if you want, but you're on the wide road. 
I wish, I wish it leads to destruction. If you want to follow me, it's on the narrow. We want an option. Jesus gives us a choice. I'm done preaching. Let's go. You want to think about it? You can catch up later. I'm not staying at an end waiting on you. I'm going to change the world. You want to come with me? Let's go do it. If you want to go on the wide road, you can go there, but there is no option. It's a choice. And I'm telling you right now, axiom number, number nine is super important. Axiom number nine. You cannot, you cannot, you will not. It is impossible for you to fit in and follow Christ at the same time. It is impossible for you to fit in this world. Broad is the road that leads to destruction and many follow it. Narrow. And it's lonely. It's isolating. Sometimes you feel like nobody's there with you. That road leads to life. That road is simple. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I can't follow Christ and fit in at the same time. It's impossible. you got to make a choice. You want options. Jesus gives you a choice. Jesus gives you a choice. Let me, let, me, let me show you an Old Testament Bible story, my favorite Old Testament Bible story. And here's why it's my favorite Old Testament Bible story. It involves dudes going into fire. Got me. Like is it, it's, it, I, I grew up in Sunday school. Anybody else old enough to be in Sunday school? And they used to have something called flannel boards. You guys remember those? And, and, and you know, Sister Martha would take out the, and put the, put the fire on there with the people going in. I was locked in, right? Like I was locked into Sunday school during this story. There's other stories I was checked out on, but this story I was locked into. It always has spoken to me, and it is such a great example of not getting options, but having a choice. In the story, we meet three young men, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say, say the name. Say Shadrach. Shadrach. Come on, say it like you mean, mean it, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego. You can't say their names without smiling. <laughs> Try it. Shadrach, Shadrach. Meshach. And you're trying hard not to smile, right? They're just cool names. They sound like a gang, right? Like, names are awesome. Here, here's what's cool about their story. They're Jewish young men. And so here's what we know about them. They're good looking. They're successful, right? Some of you have been swiping right on them, right? They, 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 they're good, right? I'm just saying, like, this, that, they're of that quality. These guys are good dudes, good looking dudes, successful, well-educated. These are the kind of guys you bring home to meet your mom and Mary, right? Like, these are good dudes. And so they're living in Israel at that time, and at the time we meet them. And in Israel is a completely godless, godless society, which is interesting because they were, they were given the responsibility to follow God and then for God to bring his son through the Jewish people to save the world. And so they, they could never get this right. They never understood it. If you have Jewish friends and they follow Judaism, they are still waiting for the Savior. Like they are still looking. They're, 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 there's people over Jerusalem. They pray at the wailing wall, the weeping wall, whatever it's called, all, all, all day long, asking God to bring the, the, the Savior of the world. They always missed it, right? They, they thought they were supposed to be religious when God wanted to start a relationship with them. And so you have these people, and here's what would happen to them. This is what, this is what happens in all of our lives, is uh, every time that they would find success as a country, they would move away from God. Then God would allow it to get bad, and they would repent and come back to God, and then God would take them back because God is grace-filled, and then a generation would pass, and they would forget God, and they would move on. You ever do this in your life? I'm on the mountaintop. I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need, you know, faith. I don't need to pray. Oh, crap, I'm in the valley. God! wanted to wake you up. So I'm like, that was unnecessary what you just did right there, right? Just wanted to wake you up, right? And you call back and you get back and you're close with him and you seek him and all of a sudden stuff starts going good and you move away from God again, right? 
That's, that's the cycle in the Old Testament. So the Jewish people, they have grown, grown weary of following God and not listening to him. They're doing a bunch of godless things. They're worshiping false gods. They're sacrificing their babies to worship these gods. Like all sorts of bad stuff is going on. So God sends a prophet named Jeremiah and says, hey, go tell them. I'm going to destroy everything if they don't change. Jeremiah's on his way. He says, oh, by the way, you're going to go tell them they're not going to listen to you. Which sometimes I feel like that right before I come up and preach. Hey, you're going to go preach. Nobody's going to listen to you, right? So he goes and he tells them and nobody listens. That's his only job. Like he just tells them and nobody listens. And so we, that's a great reminder. We don't judge ourselves based on earthly success, but based on being faithful to what God has called us to. And eventually, God said, God, what God said is going to happen, happens. This kingdom called the Babylonians with their king Nebuchadnezzar show up and they completely destroy everything. They kill babies, they kill women, they, 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 they destroy temples, they burn down buildings, they, they, they take livestock, they come, I mean, I'm talking completely destroy everything. Another thing they would do is they would find the best and the brightest, the good looking, the, the handsome, the muscular, the educated, and they would force them to come live in Babylon and indoctrinate them into their, into their community. This is how they built strength, right? And so they would get them. These names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are actually not their original names. They're their Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get to Babylon, and they begin to find success. They uh, are really good workers. They're really smart. Um, they're, they, they work hard or whatever they're, they're doing. Like they, they find favor. Like you can read about it in the book of Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're, they're living together. I'm assuming they're friends, they're buddies. Like they literally are finding success in one of the worst cultures imaginable. This is the most demonic, the most ruthless, the most demented culture you could ever be a part of. Like whatever culture you think about right now and whatever country you think about, it doesn't even pale in comparison to Babylon. Some people would say, though, they've made an upgrade. They have better food. They got better looking women. Like they got girls from all over the world there to choose from. They don't just got Jewish girls. They got better opportunities. They got a better education. They got a better everything. They're not close to the Lord at this point. Maybe they're on the wide road. I'm not sure, but some of their area of their life, if you compare it to a world, the world standards, has been upgraded. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never allowed what they went through to change who they were here. So we meet them in Daniel chapter 1. We're introduced to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and uh, Daniel. And then this is where I, I love Daniel chapter 3. This is where I, like, this captured my attention. So they're living in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge. And here's what happens. I love it. Daniel chapter number 3 says in verse number 1, says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 60 cubits high and six cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And so let me just paint a picture. Like how big is that? It's 99 feet tall. It's 10.4 inches wide. We don't know what it is, but if you ask me, he's overcompensating. He's insecure. He wants to make sure everybody worships him, knows how great he is. So here's what he does. He builds this statue out of gold, right? And the Bible says in verse number two, he summons the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are part of the important people of Babylon because they're part of this. The Bible says that the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other 
officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then a herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and all the people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music. None of us have that on our iTunes, by the way, right? You must fall down and worship the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Can I get another option? Now, they're in a predicament. They, they've been successful, but they also are deeply rooted in their faith. And now they're being pushed to go against their faith. Because in Deuteronomy, it says to not bow down to any idol. That is Judaism 101. We serve the one true living God. But now I'm in this culture, and for us to be okay, for us to not get thrown into the blazing furnace, all we got to do is bow. But can I get another option? Can I, can I get another way out? Can, you, can, I do, can I do like one knee right here? What can I do right now? And the Bible says you have one option. You have one choice. You can bow when the music starts, or you can stand and die. What do you think happens in that crowd? The Bible says, as soon. That's the word it uses. As soon. As that, whatever's going on, right? As soon as you hear this, the Bible says that you heard the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music. All the nations and all the peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Everyone, all over the place, all of a sudden had to make a choice. What is the choice? Let me, let me just give you, let me give you three choices. Number one, the first choice they had to make is the choice to be willing to lose a position. There's, there's, there, there's, there's scriptures in the Bible that, that tell you um, in the last days. Read Revelation. In the last days, in order to follow the Lord, there's going to be really terrible times for believers. In the last days, it talks about in Revelation, I'm not trying to scare you, right? But the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be this mark. This number represents 666. I don't know what that means. There's going to be this mark that people have to take to acquire food and, 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 and resources. It's in the Bible. The Bible's 100% true. This is, this is, here's how the world is going to end. It's going to be terrible in the last days, the Bible says. And if you don't get that mark, you won't be able to buy food. You won't be able to acquire wealth. You won't be able to get positions of influence. If you serve the Lord, you won't be able to have that in this, this economy, in this structure, in this world. There, there's other passages that tell you, listen, the world hated me, and if it hated me, it's probably going to hate you as well. What happens when you get into a situation where you have to make the choice, and the choice is, do I follow God and lose position on this earth, or do I let go of my relationship with God and follow this world? Did you imagine this? They had nothing. They're going to go home to Israel. It's burned down. Their family's gone. Their, uh, their livelihood has changed. Everything they have, all the structure, all the success, all the security is represented in Babylon at this point. But they still have a walk with the Lord. The music started. What are you going to do? Are you willing to make the choice to give up position? 
I can tell you, I've already experienced that in my life. I remember when I was 19 years old, I was working at Applebee's, a little place called Applebee's. And so um, I was a waiter. And I was going to school to be a pastor. And so I was in my second or third year going to school to be a pastor. I was 19, 20 years old, got this job at Applebee's and uh, started, started serving food there. I had my khakis and my button-down button shirt. And, and I started working at Applebee's, and it was my second job at a, at a, at a restaurant. Any waiters or waitresses here? Put your hand held high. That's a crazy world we work in. Remember that? Only a couple of you. Man, waiter, waitresses, restaurant world, it's, 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 it's different. And so, so I was used to it, but I had worked at Friendly's, right? And Friendly's was an environment where we served ice cream. It was pretty PG. Applebee's was different. So I went to this Applebee's, I started to train. And I just want to preference my story. I don't brag about myself a lot, but I was an amazing waiter. <laughs> I will talk about, I mean, my mom and dad taught me well. I watched my dad, how he tipped and how he kind of judged waiters. And, and he, he always preferred a waiter or waitress that would fill up. He, 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 drinks, he drinks still to this day, non-sweetened iced tea with sweet and low. He doesn't care how many articles he sent about cancer. He needs a sweet and low, right? You give me 80 years on this planet of, of sweet, uh, unsweetened tea and sweet and low, and I got to lose five years because of sweet and low, I'll lose the five years. That's what he said. And so, so they fill it up, right? You, you, you know what I'm talking about. A waiter or a waitress, they don't wait and say, do you want more tea? Like my dad, if you have an IV somewhere and you can hook it up to his arm there, he'll take that, right? And so, yes, he wants more tea. Don't ask him. Just fill it up. You guys try, like those are the best waiters and waitresses. They're just ahead of you, right? Oh, you need this. Oh, you need that. And so I was on top of it. I was killing it in friendlies. And so I thought, man, I'll go to Applebee's. It's a few minutes from my school. I'll work at Applebee's. I'm going to school to be a pastor. And I quickly realized that everybody in there uh, lived differently, lived different than me, talked different than me. Like it was a different environment, even though it was only three miles off the bubble of, of Southwestern. And so I started working in this environment. I, 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 you know, everybody was kind of different. I had to set, I had, they put you in sections. I was working in this one section and the, basically at a restaurant, you work your way up. And so I had this one section, it had three tables. They were two tops. That means two people could sit there and you work there and you prove yourself. And then they give you the party section. You know what I'm talking about? Where you go from making $3 a tip where you can make 35 or $40 a tip, which was a lot of money in 1998 to 2002. And so I'm busting my butt. I'm doing what I do. I'm remembering to fill up people's tea. And I keep thinking to myself, I've proved myself. They're going to give me a good section. So I started watching this whole, this whole economy and Applebee's play out. They had these girls, there, these young girls didn't go to my school, but they always got the good sections. They weren't good waitresses either. I'd be busting my butt. I'd be running their food out. They'd be in the back talking. They'd be eating food off people's plates. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, disgusting stuff happens at, at restaurants. I'd be running around sweating, busting my hump, trying to get seen. The manager there was like a guy between 30 and 40. I'm like, dude, I talked to him about faith a couple times. And like, you know, he grew up in church and he told me he was a Christian because it's Texas and everybody's a Christian, right? And so I thought we were cool. And like, I thought, and, and I kept just getting the same section. And then I noticed the same girls got the same sections all the time. And something got up in me. And I, I was like, I got to say something. So I went to this manager, 35, 40-year-old manager, and I said, hey, man, what's going on? He was like, just keep working, just keep working, just keep working. I was like, I am outworking everyone. So I did a little more digging, and I talked to one of the other waiters there, and I said, hey, what's going on, man? Why do we always get these crappy sections? And he said, because that manager and those girls are doing things outside of work that guarantees them the position, and I don't think you're willing to do that. And I said, I'm not. <laughs> I am not. So I could have let it be, but I just couldn't. So I went and confronted him. And I said, listen, bro, 
Number one, this is disgusting. And number two, like, you said you're a Christian, and I think you're married, maybe, I don't know. But doing what you're doing is not representing Christ to these young girls that are here. You should stop. You know what he did? He fired me. <laughs> but listen, what Satan intends for harm, God uses, for good. I went down the road to Chili's. <laughs> I was making so much more money, right? That one of my favorite moments of college is when he came in and he was sitting at the bar on Friday night by himself and I had the whole section of tables around him and I was rolling in money. I was making it rain like this. I'm telling you at some point in your life, I'm, listen, I'm if, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying up here in the stage. This is exactly how it happened. You're going to have to be willing to lose a position. Here's the second, second choice you're going to have to make. Second choice, no, number two, is uh, you're going to have to give up popularity. You're going to have to give up. I always think it's funny when Christians try to be popular. Nothing you believe is popular. Nothing. Nothing is normal. In our world, what do they say? You got to find yourself. You got to be yourself. You, be, you think it, you can believe it, you can achieve it, you have greatness inside of you, you got blah, blah, blah. Listen, all that stuff, according to Jesus, is hogwash. You, you don't have that in you, but when Jesus lives in you, because of him, you can be that. Right? When you say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. That's a great poster in your classroom when you were six. But I tried to dunk, and I tried to jump, and I tried to be tall, and none of that worked. <laughs> so I believed in him, and when I believe in him, I believe he puts a purpose and a plan in your life. And if he calls you to something, you can achieve it because of him. And popularity is a silly thing. I'll cut off my left arm. I'll do something stupid. I'll dance online. I'll take a selfie. I'll Snapchat. I'll do this. If you just make me popular, and I'm telling you, if you're trying to be popular and you're trying to follow Christ, you're going to have a problem. One of my favorite uh, hobbies is to watch pastors get on, like famous pastors, which is always an oxymoron to me. And so, because like Jesus, he wasn't famous. Like he just wasn't. Like he's famous now. Because he was truth. But when he died on the cross, you know how many people were at the cross that were, that were for him? Three people. His mom, she had to be. Mary Magdalene and John. Even when he came back from the dead, of all the thousands of people that he had done things for when he was alive, even when he came back from the dead and he said, wait in the upper room, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Only 120 of them wait long enough. There was never a moment in his life where Jesus sought out popularity. In fact, there was moments in his life where he was at the precipice of gaining the, the, the historical popularity and he would pop off and say something literally where the crowd would go, I don't want this. One time Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you got to drink my blood. <laughs> and they said, what? And you got to eat my body. Peter's like, Jesus, too, too much, man. And the Bible says that they, they leave, the, the crowd, there's other times the crowd is coming to him and he, he, he goes in secret, he, he does things, they'll be like, hey, don't tell anybody I did that. I mean, you can see Jesus starting a TikTok thing, right? You know, walk on water music, you know what I'm saying? 
There's not an ounce of popularity. And one of my favorite things is when pastors are really popular and they get on like a news thing or like Oprah interviews them or something like that. And they always ask the questions to like the, everybody else kind of knows what's in the Bible. Like they know the Bible talks about sexuality and gender and all this stuff's in there, right? And, and adultery and, and getting drunk. Like the Bible talks about it, right? But they'll always ask them about one quote. What do you think about homosexuality? You can watch it. And the pastor, because he's built popularity, squirms. I'm like, bro, just say what the Bible says. It's either true or it's not. If it's not true, don't follow any of it. Like, go get yours because this is all you got. But if it's true, just say it. But they can't because if they say it, they'll lose popularity. Think about it. These guys are really successful. If you don't bow, everybody else in this crowd is not going to like you. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're crazy. I promise you, at, at some point in your life, you're not going to get the option to be liked and to follow Christ. You're going to have to make a decision. One more choice they'd have to make. Here's, here's, here's one that's, that I think is really hard for, for, for church people, Christians specifically, is uh, you're going to have to make, the, make a choice to let people down. You, you, you will. Like at some point in your life, for you to follow Jesus... There's going to be other people in your life that go, hey, that doesn't make sense. Because the Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. It's offensive. So you're going to be following Christ on the narrow road and somebody's going to get in your, your way and they're going to go, you don't really believe that. And you're going to, you're going to lead with your, your, your feelings instead of truth in that moment. You're going to go, you're right. Yeah, but what does the Bible say? Like think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The music starts playing, everybody bows. Don't you think right beside them in their, in their posse is like their boss somewhere who's trained them, invested in them, loved them. It's like their new family. They've lost their family more than likely, like their new father maybe, somebody who's really seeing potential in them, somebody who sees a future in them, maybe some, and, 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 and it happens and they go back and they go, okay, our faith says we can't bow to this. Even though we're in Babylon, music starts playing, right? Music starts playing. Everybody starts bowing. Don't you think their boss is going, get your butt down? Just bow. It's not that big of a deal. Think about how often we do that. It's not that big of a deal. You're right. You're right. Broad is the road. Leads to destruction. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It just says destruction there. That's not that big of a deal. It's totally fine. Destruction. Hell. Death. Anxiety. I mean, I started thinking about the crowd, the way it's going. Like I started studying the, 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 the context of what has happened to our society since COVID since COVID. Everything went crazy during COVID, right? Everything was magnified. One of the most interesting things I found about, uh, about our life is, so the way we are right now, every one in 10 prescriptions in America is prescribed for anxiety. One in 10, anxiety. Um, since 2020, teenagers ages 13 through 19 have been uh, at a record rate, up uh, uh, close to 40% uh, of growth when it comes to being prescribed anxiety medication. Since COVID, 40%, in 46 out of 50 states, anxiety medication has, has almost went up 20%. So you have this crowd of people that are going towards destruction. They're filled with anxiety and worry. And, and we go, okay, the Bible says destruction. They don't understand that, but we go, this is, this is a result of that. You're walking a path that is confusing. You're walking a path that is overwhelming. You're walking a path where you're the one responsible for you. And so how, how silly it is it to go, okay, let me tell you different. I know it's going to disappoint you right now. 
I know maybe you're not going to be. Man, let me just tell you what you're doing wrong. Not because I'm better than you, but because Jesus saved me. Let me just give you what the, what the Lord says. Let me just show you what the word. Instead, we're embarrassed. We go, hey, go, go towards destruction. Or, or if we're honest, do you really believe that? Do, do you really believe that the way away from Christ leads to death and hell? That, that's a real question. Because let me tell you something. If I didn't believe that, I would never do this job. I'd find something. There's a lot of better things to do on this side of eternity than look at you every week. This, this is stressful. This is overwhelming. People, somebody's always mad, right? Always mad. It's an overwhelming job. I would find something else that at least brings temporary joy, but I believe in the gospel. I believe in death. I believe in hell. I believe in the power of the resurrection. I believe Jesus can save people, change people, set people free, heal people, break addictions. I believe that. So sometimes, because I believe that, sometimes I think people are like, oh, are you going to say that in church today? You might offend somebody. Good. If I can wake you up out of your spiritual death to the point where you get so woken up that you lean into the truth of God and your life is set free and you're mad at me for a couple weeks but you keep coming back because something's drawing you back, good. If we don't believe that, what are we doing here? This is the dumbest club to be involved in in the history of the world. Come into a room, sit for an hour, twice a month, get a hot dog, it's kosher, right? Go golfing today. Go to brunch. Narrow is the road that leads to death. So I love, I love the end. Of, you're like, what, what happened to them? Okay, so the Bible says the music starts playing. The harp and the lyre and the tither and all these other things, right? Start playing. And the Bible says as soon as the music plays, the entire crowd, the entire crowd kneels, except for three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're standing. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar looks at it and goes, hey, what's going on there? We're like, we don't know. They're not, they're not bowing. We don't know what to do. Their boss is like, can you bow? You're embarrassing me in front of my friends. Nebuchadnezzar brings them forward. This is in the Bible. Brings them forward. And he's like, he knows them. Like, I think he's like, these, these guys are like good looking. They're, they're educated. You know, he's like, yo, you got to bow. You're making me look foolish. You're making me not look powerful. You got to bow. But I'm going to give you another chance. So Satan always does. I'll give you another chance. What is being this wick, you know, living the gray here? We'll give you another chance. So he says, hey, we're going to play again. Bang, get ready, right? Before you do, just to incentivize you bowing again, let's heat up the furnace seven times hotter. The Bible says that they, as they're heating the furnace up seven times hotter, it's so hot, the guys that are making it hotter are burning alive. He turns the heat all the way up. He says, hey, guys, a little motivation for you. Harpists, all that stuff, just start playing. They start playing again. Nebuchadnezzar standing right there, the most powerful man in the world. The, 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 literally the, the example of, of evil, right? He's there right in front of them. I'm sure they're terrified. He said, bow. And they said, listen, we're not going to bow. Even if you throw us in the furnace, we're not going to bow. They said, God can save us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. The Bible says that he takes him and throws him into the furnace, stands back. This is why, you can, now you can imagine as a young boy, I love this, he throws these dudes in the fire. 
He expects screams, howls. He expects to, to, to show people his power, his might, all those things. Throws him into the fire, begins to rub his eyes. There's no screaming. There's no howling. There's just three dudes standing in there confidently. He rubs his eyes. He looks in there. He says, didn't we throw three dudes in there? They say, yeah. He says, it looked like there's a fourth man. I think it's the son of God. The Bible says, he says, pull him out. He pulls him out. They don't even smell like smoke. Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy after this. He don't know what to do. He knows he's not in control. You see, Satan knows that he is not in control of your life. So he makes a fuss after a fuss after a fuss to destroy you. He knows if you would just get on the straight and narrow, if you would trust, if you would follow, if you would seek, if you would love, that his grip couldn't be on you anymore. At some point, at some point, could you imagine? They lost popularity that day. They went, but listen, they lost popularity when they came out of that fire. They had influence, which that's what a Christian's supposed to have. People looked at them and they go, hey man, how was that fire? It was nice. Isn't that the shirt you wore in that fire? Yeah, Jesus signed it. You want to see it? You're going to make a choice. You're going to make a choice. You can't fit in and follow Christ at the same time. The Bible says you can love the world or love Jesus. You can't have both. The Bible says pick up your cross and follow him. I know it doesn't sound American at all. In America, it's like if you want to follow Jesus and be American and do this and do that, Jesus says, listen, it's all in or all out. I love that. I didn't know they were putting that up there. That's by my boy Menez up there. I remember that, that sermon, year, probably three, four years ago. I was real irritated that day. And I was tired. I was, it was before COVID. I was so tired of church. I was tired of looking out and seeing the same people living with the boyfriends and their girlfriends and sleeping around and getting drunk and being addicted to drugs and looking at pornography and putting a church smile on their face and walking in here every week. And I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. So I'm going to tell people today, either go all in or go all out. So that's exactly what I did. And he heard it. He was just here. He said, what do I got to do? I need to go to home group. I need to get married. I remember doing that. Hey, can we get married, man? We can marry you right back in the sound booth is where we married him a couple years ago. It was a wall there. He started serving. Last, last, last service, he was taking out the trash in between services, so there's room to put. Like he, I remember that day, and I'm going to tell you the exact same thing. Either go all in or go all out. Line in the sand. Today, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, which, by the way, that's what baptism is. Baptism is not a celebration of the greatness of the person getting in the, in the tank. That's a spectacle. Baptism is a celebration of our good God. Everybody in that tank that gets in has a story. They have a testimony. And the center of their story and their testimony is Jesus Christ. And when you get baptized, that's what you're saying. I'm following Christ. I'm going down in my dead to my sins. I'm coming up as a, as a representation of the power of the res resurrection in my life. I'm being a brand new person through Christ, and I'm going to follow him from this day forward. I don't care who says I can't. I don't care who's disappointed. I don't care whose nerve it gets on. I don't care how unpopular that it is. I don't care about all that. Today, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And so we get to do that today. Would you stand to your feet all over this house? And I told the last two services, here's what's cool. Usually we do an altar call and we give people a chance to respond to the gospel. But today, you can get two for the price of one.
in the Bible, a lot of times they would follow Christ and they would get baptized at the same time. In America, we say, come to church, we'll take you to a class, we'll over-explain everything to you, we'll clean you up, and then we'll, you know, put you in front of people and you can get baptized. That's typically the process of what we do, but that's not in the Bible. The Bible says to repent. You know what the second thing says? And get baptized. Repent means to turn your life away from yourself, your world, your past, to turn it towards Jesus. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn my life towards Jesus. I'm going to follow him. And the very first thing I need to do because he told me to, I need to get baptized in water. So for some of you, you don't know Christ yet. You're going to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you're going to get out of your seat. The Spirit of God is already moving on you, and you're going to join the 13 or whatever people that are getting baptized. And you're like, some of you are going, well, I would do that, but I don't have clothes. Here's awesome, awesome news for you. We got the cheapest Amazon shorts, bulk shorts. We got t-shirts. We got towels. We got even got flip-flops, I think, right? So you don't have to walk on this nasty floor when you're done. Now, I'm not sure if we have those. I might have made that up. But we got everything else that you need. So if you've been following Christ, or today you're going to put your, your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, why not get baptized? Some of you are like, that's a little bit uncomfortable. That's a little bit, that's a little. God moves through your discomfort. When you take big, like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for the rest of their life, they can say, we didn't bow, we went into the fire, and Jesus saved us for the rest of their life. But you don't get big faith moments like that without having big faith in your life. So maybe you're, I'm just going to get baptized. Maybe, maybe you're with a wife. We've been following Jesus. That we've seen that three or four times a day where, where, where spouses are, are coming and getting baptized together. Uh, people have done it in all, all of our services. And so we're going to go into a time of worship. And if you want to respond to the gospel that way, you just make your way forward. Uh, Vinay will be standing over. If you guys know who Vinay is, she's a little Italian girl. She's like this tall, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Where is Vinay? Anyways, there she is. See, now you can see her. She's on the steps. She's right there. And so, Vinay's got everything you need to get baptized today. And so the band's going to make their way forward. I want to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. And uh, I told you the music starts playing. That means we're done. That's the altar call. What did Jesus say? He said, narrow is the way that leads to life. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. There's, a, there's only one way to Jesus. I'll follow him. There's only one way to Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in his finished work on that cross. What did he do? He died for you on a cross. He willingly laid his life down for you. That's how you know that he loves you. He bore your shame and your pain on that cross. And the Bible says that when his, his blood poured out, that it was an atonement or a payment for our sins, past, present, and future. That he died there. They took his lifeless body off that cross and they placed him in a tomb. And they tried to keep him there. But the power of God brought him back from the dead. He rewrote history in that moment. And he's been doing that for the last 2,000 years. He's been rewriting stories. He's been changing family legacies. He's been breaking addictions. He's been restoring hope. He's been healing marriages that could have never been healed without him. Some of you have been to counseling your whole life. He's been bringing peace that only he can bring. He's been restoring joy. Jesus rewrites people's stories. And let me just tell you something. If you're alive, he's not done with you yet.
He's not done with you yet. It's not over. You're not too far gone. You're not too hopeless. You haven't made too many mistakes. You don't carry around too much regret. One yes to Jesus, I promise you, it changes everything. I promise you. That's the only reason, I pro- that is the only reason I stand up here, because I believe that. One yes to Jesus changes everything. So there he is, the Bible says he stands at the door of your heart and knock. Would you let him in? Listen, you don't let him in with your own agenda. You have one option. I'm going to follow him with all of my life. He says to let go of things I'm letting go of. He says to turn away, I'm turning away, I'm turning away. He, he says to run, I'm going to run. He says to jump, I'm going to jump. I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm never turning back. I'm never turning back. That's the choice I'm going to make. That you all over this place, you don't know Jesus Christ, but you need to before we baptize people today. I don't know Christ, but I need to in this place. All over this house, head bowed, eyes closed. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to in Montgomeryville. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to fully give him my life. I'm going to follow him from this day forward. Everybody that's here, you're listening. God's knocking at the door of your heart. You're going to respond in faith right now. You're going to respond in faith all over this house. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. Come on all over. Would you just put your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, that's me. Hey, that's me. There's a hand here. Is there anybody else? Another hand here. Hand, hand. Yes. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. Here in Montgomeryville, I need to know Jesus Christ. I see a hand back there. Yes. all over this house, if you believe or or you're new to your faith, would you just repeat after me, no matter if you've been a Christian for years, this is your very first time, let's say Jesus Christ. Come on, that's the name above all names. Let's say Jesus Christ. Today, I put my faith in you. I believe in you. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. I know you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you rose in power. Because of that, I have peace. I have joy, I have forgiveness, I have hope. Today's a new day. And as we we pray all over this house, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done here today. We thank you, Father, for as as we go into baptisms, for what this represents. Holy Spirit, I I pray right now that you would move in this last service, that we have nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. We just want to see you move. We want to be in your presence. We want to hear from you. So God, right now, you're speaking to people right now. You're knocking at their heart. They're already Christians. They already got saved maybe just now, or or, or maybe they've been a Christian for a little bit, and they've been dragging their feet in this area. Lord, right now, in in all of their fear, stepping outside of their discomfort, Lord, they're going to follow you in baptism right now. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We celebrate you. You're the King of kings, and you're the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house. Would you shout amen? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.